on. And so now we have to start, and I, uh, I will interrupt all the messages that are going on back there, and uh, or we'll just keep on going. We, uh, we were right in um, Ephesians 2, and we moved right on through uh, half of the verse last week. We were dealing with dead, dead in trespasses and sins, and then Barb brought up, brought up the question, trespasses and sins, and I was going to try to... Um, elaborate that on that this week. So, hey, Barb, um, this is for you. No. <laughs> Give her a CD or something. Uh, that is important, trespassing sin. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> anyway, that's what I always say, don't I? We'll get there. We never do. But We're at the center of the, uh, the greatest profundities of Christian doctrine because we're reminded here of um, how God enables us to see His greatness. And not only the power of God, but of His love and uh, His grace. And as we uh, look on the fact that there is the uh, doctrine of sin in mankind passed down from Adam, what we need to do is measure God's great power that we saw the power that is uh, directed toward us who believe. This is in chapter 1. But what we do is we realize how much depth there is in the sense of where He brought us from to the height of where He brings us to. And, and of course, when we look at the, that depth, we go, wow, that's that's quite a power to bring us out of that. But um, the doctrine of original sin, it's not popular these days. Man and sin never likes it. It's, it only makes sense. Man, man really hates the doctrine of sin. What man actually likes to believe is that he's born neutral, and if he's neutral, he's gradually influenced by the environment around him and all the influences of the bad things, and eventually it grows on him, and he will uh, might go uh, in those uh, ways uh, if the conditions are wrong. But if the conditions are right, and you have a good environment and adequate knowledge, then uh, man is okay. He's good. I think that would be the way that man would like to look at it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, would you would you say that's basically how modern man, whether Christian or not, hopefully a Christian would say, no, 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 we're we're uh, we're not good. That's our problem. We're sinful, and we we need God to get us out of this. We're relying totally on Christ. But if if you give man the most ideal circumstances and the best environment that he can have, I just bet... (laughs) (laughs) He's already proven that, hasn't he? Paradise. (laughs) The Garden of Eden. He couldn't quite do that. Remember Paradise and Adam and Eve and the fall of man. So anyway, that's kind of where we're at in uh, chapter 2 of Ephesians. Uh, Why don't we uh, open up with prayer? Father, we thank You for who You are. Thank You for giving us everything that we need. And uh, we uh, thank You for the rain that we have. For we, we do know that we do need that. And um, we give You praise for being such a great God. Uh, just in even all the, uh, the small things, we realize that we're totally dependent on You. And uh, You truly are awesome in every way. And uh, as we look into Your Word tonight, as um, we look at how man is naturally and uh, what our tendency is to do uh, as far as the flesh is concerned. Uh, We, uh, again, have to rely on Your power to uh, keep us from the desires that the flesh has. And we know the Spirit wars against that. And uh, so, Lord, we, uh, again, call upon Your Holy Spirit to uh, guide us into Your truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man stayed in sin. We saw that last week, dead. And uh, Hey, I found a verse here that um, I didn't look at last week, and I had never really thought about it before. But it's in John 5. John 5.25. Jesus even knew that man was dead in his sins. Did you know that? Even Jesus knew that. He's um, Really, he's putting equality... Uh, with God here in in this text as far as power and authority, judgment. In verse 25, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. 
the dead aren't the physical dead, are they? They're the spiritually dead. And the ones who hear will respond and uh, they will follow Him. But they're, they're called the dead. They'll hear the voice and they will live. So they will have life. They'll be brought to life. Anyway, while we're in Adam, we are devoid of life. We have no life. Physical life and not spiritual life. Death is reigning in us. Reigning over completely. The King. If we're in union with God, that's where we have life. Just simple as that. And dead is dead. And we looked at that and there's no in-between. Dead means uh, absolutely cannot respond whatsoever. It's being alienated from the very soul of, of God. Uh, look at Romans 8. And uh, I'd say starting around verse 5, it talks about the uh, inability of man. And it talks about the flesh and the spirit. And we're kind of being geared to uh, that area where it talks about the, uh, the flesh in the Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be in ability. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The ones who are in the flesh are unbelievers. The ones who are in the Spirit and do the things of the Spirit are, are believers. Uh, but he says the ones who are in that flesh, they cannot. They, they're not subject to it. They, they, uh, they cannot please God. They can't be in that. And uh, so you can't understand the things like, let's say, incarnation. Incarnation is a basic ingredient to the Christian faith, isn't it? You have to believe in the incarnation that Christ came in the flesh. So, um, if you don't have life, you can't really understand that doctrine, really and truly what it means. Or how about the resurrection? And you really can't understand really what the resurrection is about. The uh, the whole idea of the atonement, the, the cross, and you think of all the things. And, and so they're dead to all those things. They might think they might know some of those things, but honestly, they they can't. They're, they're not even interested. Uh, they can't be. You, know, you look at it here and you see that they, they hate spiritual things. They can't obey God. So that's when, when you're dead, uh, you're ignorant of God's things. Uh, you're unlike God. We are created in the image of God that was marred by sin, but now we are new creations and we are being made in the image of Christ. But they're they're not like God in that sense. They're not blessed by God. Matter of fact, I would think if you really asked an unbeliever if he is really happy with life, are you really enjoying life at its fullest and everything? Do you really enjoy it? If you really got down to the real brass tacks about it, wouldn't wouldn't they really if they could really be honest with you, wouldn't they tell you that Life is miserable. I mean, what, what do they what do they live for except for the next weekend or whatever? Uh, I would say, well, it's only because of these bad circumstances that you know they want like more money, a better job, or their kids. Or, you know, there's all these other things. That Always something that. better, something yeah, to shoot for. It's not, you know, so. Would you say that the word change, whenever it comes around uh, time to vote, is uh, an unusual? popular word change that's what people want and so they the politician uses that word change and the people going yes yes change and then they get changes <laughs> may not be what the kind of changes they're wanting because their pocketbook hasn't really gotten bigger it becomes less um, has to be changed in the world constantly things have to be changed the world is profoundly miserable I believe I think as far as Christians we know that life can be a struggle and we can have uh, our tests and trials, but and we know that it's not wrapped up in this 
world as we know it here, this is a great place to be and God has put us. It's a training ground. But we know that it's heading for something even better. And God is using this. So in that sense, we can see that. Ecclesiastes, I think, gives us an answer that life is uh, it's, it, to Solomon, who had everything. He even had all the knowledge with uh, all his wealth and the highest position that he could possibly have in the best environment he could have had. And I think he was extremely unhappy. And by the time you see the end of that book, I think you see that uh, he realized without God, he uh, was one unhappy man. And if Solomon was that way, how about people that don't have all the uh, great circumstances that he had? <laughs> I guess he had a big family, too. Was 700 wives. Any kids today? Uh... <laughs> Mother's Day. <laughs> anyway, um, they're not blessed by God, are they? I mean, in in a general sense, they are, but spiritually, there are no blessings there. I mean, Shared blessing. Yeah. Yeah. How about the trespasses and sins? Well, we kind of looked at this a little bit. Um, I think you could probably sum up the life of the whole world today just in these two words here, trespasses and sins. Trespasses is... Um, we uh, looked at it last week and said it's kind of a, a falling away from the upright. Uh, it's a fall. It's a stumble. It's deviating from where the path is supposed to be going. It's like something falling to the ground and it, it goes out of its position that it's supposed to be in, going the wrong direction. Uh, the word for sins is hamartia, uh, missing the goal. You know, it's, uh, but it, it's really, it's, they are outward manifestations of what truly is inside, of what uh, the, the true problem is, the, the polluted principle that, that people have. Short of the glory of God. And, um, in Romans chapter 1, this is uh, the problem of man. Verse 21, God um, makes sure that His attributes are seen and His... Uh, power and the Godhead and they're without excuse. Verse 21, then it says, because they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. Fuel in their thoughts and foolish hearts were darkened. What's their problem there? They did not what? Glorify God. Didn't give Him thanks. Didn't glorify Him. Uh, that is missing the mark. They're short of the glory of God. In Acts 12, 23, here is um, Herod. Verse 21 says... Uh, on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne, gave an oration to them, made a great speech. People kept shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. You know, it's like they're worshiping Him. They're glorifying Him and everything. And then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give what? Glory to God. This is incredible. He was eaten by worms and died. Aren't we all eaten by worms eventually? Oh, <laughs> oh, but it happened right there in front of everybody. Okay, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty shortly, I guess. There, uh, there was some kind of a terrible pain he had. I think Josephus is a historian, and he went uh, like a week or something like that, quite a few days, where he was in just a terrible pain. I guess, and it started right there at that time, and then he, and he died. Oh. Eaten by worms. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Real, real worms. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but what was the problem? Well, they were giving glory to him, and he was saying, "Hey, don't give glory to me. It's all about God." You know what did he do? He he took it in and brought in the glory himself. Kind of like Pope does. Oh uh, boy, is that close? <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. That's that's true. That's you know, and, and so watch out, and especially if that be. Well, that was in, in Acts there. 
that was early on. Does God still do things like that? Does He take people out? He can do it, can't He? Anyway, I think uh, if you were to take a a whole comprehensive idea of this, we're we're thinking what? Uh, Trespasses, dealing with a falling away, um, not being able to keep it together, to, to go astray, and then have outward manifestations of this evil that comes from the inside, that principle that's already there within us. What leads us to trespasses and sins, though? What, those The outward manifestations of what's in What is it? What is it? Actually, it's probably answered in verse 3. The last phrase, they were by nature... The polluted nature. Sinful nature. That's what leads one to do the trespasses and sins. So it's you know, the actions are there, they're they're outward, but it's it's what one already is. We know about that, the natural man. Now, you know, there's gonna be people saying, Yeah, but you know, really that those guys, you know, they, they do some really good things. Go to Luke six. They do good works. Thirty-two. It says, "But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. You know? Yeah, they do. They do some good things. They do it especially, you know, for people that that's around them. You know, and so therefore, one would say, well, uh, you know, it's that's that's pretty good for a natural man to do that." But, um, big deal. It doesn't impress God, does it? Chapter 11, verse 13. Oh. What's that? <laughs> oh. Eleven <laughs> thirteen. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... <laughs> the evil giving gifts to the children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What a difference there. But go to Acts twenty-eight. What we're doing is we're looking at the natural man, and we're saying how evil he is. And somebody's going to say, "Yeah, but they do good things. They're 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 good people." Yeah, the United Nations. It's you know, it's, it's they they're meaning well. They're trying to do good things. And whenever Paul was on the island of Malta, there's unbelievers there at the time. And the natives showed an unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. God used them to help. Uh, them be comfortable there as they were on the island. And of course, uh, later on you read down through here, Paul runs into that viper yeah, that uh, hanging on him comes out of the heat. Once a miracle happens. But anyway, um, what's verse 6 say? However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead, but after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. <laughs> they saw this miracle of, uh, about the uh, viper and it didn't kill Paul and he's still living, didn't fall dead. And uh, at first uh, they were amazed and then they thought, oh, he's a god. <laughs> anyway, they did good things. You know, there's people that do good things all the time. Huh? They called us kind of surprised by that too. I think that happened more than once, didn't it? You know, to draw a distinction there, uh, they said he was a god, just like the people in Herod's court said Herod was a god, but you see a different result. How does he respond? Yeah, and how yeah. is God's view of that 
situation. Yep, quite the difference there, isn't there? Like that's what happened yeah, here, wasn't it? There's a common grace working in there that God uh, blesses, you know, all people with, and uh, you know He uses that. You know, even the uh, some of the hospitals are not done. Um, maybe in Christ's name, but yet at the same time they do they do good things, uh, children's hospitals and those kind of things. But you know what? It's amazing though that uh, early on most of the hospitals that were uh, built here in the United States were done by Christians. And uh, you know, but but even at that, even if they're not, you know, they they definitely serve. Uh, which would you rather have? Would you rather have a Christian doctor who is not very good? <laughs> or uh, one who is not a Christian and who is a very good doctor. Which one would you take? Better doctor. <laughs> yeah, you don't see too many um, atheist relief agencies either. Mm. Yeah. And thought about that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, uh, let's see. That's trespasses and sins, right? Okay. In which you once walked. Well, that stares us right in the face, doesn't it? Walked. That's our pattern in our our lifestyle, who we were, what we did. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So that's what we once did. And so it, it showed that we were governed by the world, for one thing. Um, this age... He says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world or age, uh, the kind of um, time period that's uh, the present age that we live in, like uh, Galatians. We live in this present evil world, I think it says there. Galatians 1.4. Christ, uh, who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil age. And that would be the word that we have in Ephesians 2 for world there. Deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. That was back 2,000 years ago. And here we are today and it's we're living in a present evil age. Shouldn't be surprised. Um, that reminds you. 1 John 2 where it talks about uh, the world. Do not love this world, the things in this world. Verse 15, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Don't love the world. Don't love this this age and everything that's in it. That, that's the kind of life that we would live that would be under the control of this of this age. Do not be conformed to this world or to this age. Be renewed, right? Um, and then you also see that when you have when you have world a lot, I don't know, in Ephesians here it says, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air um, they work in conjunction. The, the world system, the cosmos, um, the system of values, the way of doing things, that um, it commands people on what to do. And in this sense here in Ephesians, it's talking about that's what we once did. That was our lifestyle. We went under what the world view was. That's, you know, whatever was popular, we went along with that according to the course of this world. Whatever way it was was heading. Mm-hmm. I was off all last week on vacation. And when I came back to work today, just being gone one week, 
came back into this world where, I don't know if your senses are more keen because I have such a relaxing <laughs> But everywhere I turned, all I could hear was someone saying something about somebody or against someone or cursing hmm. everything that came out of their mouth. And I'd go to a different area to get away from it and it would be there. And I, I didn't know where to go, so I finally, I, was at, I went up to the state library for a little while. <laughs> And, you know, I was out of time I could, you know, go away from my job. But uh, I, I was just, I don't know, I used to just stay with it. And, you know, I can't seem to do that anymore. You know, you can't be among it, not talk like it, but be among them. You can't, I can't seem to do that anymore at all. I, I just have to get away from it. I don't even yeah. understand why it's being done in public like this at work anyway. Yeah, you just said it. That's that's the whole secret to to be training them up in that. I understand. I think it's something like eighty percent. Now I might be wrong. This might be up to ninety percent. Now I hate to say that, but uh, of the kids who graduate high school who have gone to church, raised up to go to church, when they are finished in college. 80 to 90% now are unbelievers. As a matter of fact, uh, you have some professors that uh, say they can turn them around in one or two classes. And that's the course of this world, a different way of thinking. Uh, that's pretty incredible. Now, uh, how deep-rooted are those kids? That I think it's saying something in the sense, have, have they been raised up in a... In a in a family situation where they have been taught the things of the Lord has has their church been? Uh, I think it goes back to family, though. But, well, but, making, it, but making sure we also understand the point that they can't lose their salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if that if they turn away, you know, then 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 I mean, I mean what's it proving? We've not, seen the, we've not seen the beginning and the end, and we don't know what God's going to do in His sovereignty. But but you know, that's if they've been if they were saved to begin with. Full meal if they prayed. 
the course of this world. Being back, it's, it's odd how that has made me feel because I don't feel better than any of them. As a matter of fact, I feel worse because there's times I wish, why didn't I in the past just walk away from something rather than just sit there and act like, you know, okay. You know, when I told you, I think last week someone had said something that you're different to me. Yeah. You know, now. Because I no longer will sit and be with it. Where before I felt that I kind of had to. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, you did. You almost feel like you have to. But you don't have to. Uh, you, I just... And the more I walk away, the more I realize what I was before. And to me, I felt like I was a hypocrite. And before, you didn't want to necessarily be an outcast either, though, right? Right. You know... It's so important. They, they want you. We have to have all these diversity trainings. We've got another one coming up next week. Mandatory. And I've been to so many of them. You know, I'm, I don't know what I think about. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Waste of time. Yeah, you know, it's taken away from your yeah. job. And, uh... I guess I'm just trying to say that the more I'm around it, the more I see the sin that was in me. And the more now I hate it. And I just want to get away from it. Because you, you recognize the crap that it does. It's such a crap. And, and yet you're made fun of if you act different and if you're different. And they can really gang up on you. And they're just terrible. <laughs> There's two things that go along with that, though. Um, if I can say, is that one is is that they'll beat up on you, obviously worse if you're a Christian, because they think that you are self-righteous because you don't participate. I think there's a passage where they'll heap insult upon insult upon you because you don't participate. But the other part about, the, the interesting part about the, for lack of a better word, the spirituality of the culture, is that even if you approach them from the standpoint from a secular standpoint, say, you know, this negativity is not good for the energy of the office. Yeah. You know, as a starting point, then they would most of us say, you know, you're right. It's really not right to talk about people like that. You know? And, I mean, mission accomplished, I mean, but you still, you're not denying Christ by by helping them understand that, you know, do you realize what this is breeding in the in the office? And not even from the standpoint of you know, of, of a Christian witness, you know, and then, you know, then perhaps you could open that, you know, open that door, you know, for later. So, gosh, you know, you sure have a really good understanding about what, you know, about what's going on and what we were doing. Because a lot of times when people in that sinful nature, they have no idea that they're doing what they do. Sinners act like sinners. Yeah, what else do you expect, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I get it all the time in my office in the morning, you know, every day and with the cats. They're just constantly fighting, and I just have to stop them, and you know. Cause I was going to say the office. You know, I don't have anybody in my office, so it's easy for me to say. You know, yeah, I'm not a team player. Yeah. Uh, I feel for you guys. You're under a, a different kind of pressure, you know, that uh, I'd never really have really had to be, but I can understand what you're talking about. That's Definitely, uh, that that kind of workplace puts you in uh, uh, precarious positions sometimes. Because if you don't go along with the flow, then you're going to be considered to be an outcast or somebody who's trying to to be a rebel. But at the same time, you want to stay true to what you what you what you are. That's, that's right. That happened before, didn't it? Yeah. You have to go to the training. You don't have any option, do you? No. No. You sit there and you listen and you give feed them back all the right answers because if you don't feed them back the same answers to the questions of whatever answers they think they want, yeah. you give them their, you just puke back their answers. I don't know. It's awful. That's what they yeah, you have no choice. You, you know, you. So, I reconciled it a long time ago. You know, I'm just giving them whatever they want to hear because that's what they're asking me. They're not asking me what I think. 
because they really don't want to know what I think. And if you really gave them that answer, you'd probably be out. <laughs> exactly. And all they're saying is, what did I just tell you? I can tell them that. Oh, don't y'all love that? I think I'm gold. And then you get back to work and everybody says, what color are you? You're green. Gold and green? Something to do with like a... Like a personality, it's a golden like a retriever or something like that, no. like a dog or something. Like that. <laughs> That's a different thing. There are there are animal animal training where okay. you are kind of Well, the course of this world, it would love to just uh, wrap us uh, in its mold, right? But that's what we once did, and we know now that. Uh, as we stand for Christ, we, we know that uh, that's not the way that we, we want to walk anymore. And it says, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. I think, go to that word spirit. I guess you could say that's a, the evil principle that, that is in the world. John Calvin said that a, a more severe condemnation could not have been pronounced here. <laughs> As he calls it, the uh, as it's called, uh, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Quite a condemnation on on the people there. They're slaves of sin, and they're slaves of Satan, and subject to his will, and um, they're under the very tyranny of, of Satan himself, the devil, under his tyranny, under the world's tyranny. Satan being the what the god of this world. Jesus even mentioned that. And of course, the prince of this world, he's known as the chief of the devils. And you look in Ephesians, what, chapter 6, verse 12, which Paul ends up the letter on. And what does he say? That's, uh, as far as the uh, you have demons, and Satan is, uh, you have the, what, principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Whole host. So you can you can think at one time we were not only walking according to the things of the world here, but totally under the tyranny, the power of uh of Satan and, and um the demons, the demonic world and in the sense and not even knowing it. All the things that uh they dominate with. Uh, I liked also what um, Calvin said. He said, What is Satan but God's executioner to uh, punish man's ingratitude? God uses Satan to punish man's ingratitude. Now that, that's well worded, isn't it? So, they're just instruments. They're, they're pawns, they're tools that God is using to uh, bring on His justice. And, uh, you know, the... God always wins, but we can uh, we can look back and say, boy, what kind of power did it take for God to take me out of all of this kind of situation here, the world and the prince of the power of the air and this whole spirit who works in the sons of disobedience? We were sons of disobedience. It's pretty bad, isn't it? Children of disobedience. You are of the father, the devil. Remember when Jesus said that? Quite a severe condemnation now, there. When he was blasting the Pharisees, did they have a good doctrinal understanding of who Satan was? From was it Ezekiel thirty? No, that's not. Where? Well, you have Isaiah fourteen. You have uh, uh, Ezekiel twenty-eight, okay. which really shows the, of course, the fall, the fall. of okay. Lucifer, and um, you would think that they would. Uh, well, they definitely knew what he was saying. And of course, they many times they would refer back and say he was Beelzebub, and okay. so they had a, a knowledge of the uh, demonic the world. Dealing with uh, Michael the Archangel yeah. and Daniel, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I mean, right that, so they should have known that when they talked about that he was delayed getting there because he was fighting with the prince of Persia. Because of that kind of, that's interesting to, yeah, yeah, how that was 
Yep. But the Shalai should have known something of that when he was talking about that age, about that time, because he saw that so there's quite a bit in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Paul brings it out and others. The whole world lies in the lap of the evil one or wicked one, as uh, John mentioned that at the end of 1 John 5. And um, So, you know, roaring like a lion, but uh, if you know who, who the Lord is, you're not governed by uh, that, that enemy, uh, the world and, and such. But that's where we came from. And so you can see, well, it's only natural that they would be thinking this way and they would have those kind of worldviews. But I think uh, children of disobedience, I think man would like to deny that. Wouldn't like that term, would, would he? Man would not like to say, oh, I'm disobedient. Man, I think, would like to assert his uh, what self-sufficiency. That he really, maybe he doesn't need uh, the things of God, but uh, the thing is he, he cannot obey God. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. It's one or the other. There's no gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I think of Second Corinthians four, three, and four. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, whose image of God should shine on them. So there. Um, their minds have been uh, blinded. The God of this age doing that, and then we we see that uh, over in verse three. I'm skipping over there real quickly, but it, where it talks about by nature children of wrath, wrath by nature uh, is going to be involved in that. We looked at uh, Psalm 51:5, five, uh, where David confesses his sin, and uh, in in sin he was conceived. And um, did we did we do the Psalm fifty eight verse three? Did we look at that? So you really look to see how sinful man really is. And I don't think the world today really knows how sinful they really are. Um the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they're born, speaking lies. As soon as they're born, they're in the womb. So, we're talking about uh, just the nature, nature of sin there. And all are that way. Uh, I I think in verse 3 it says that, "...among whom also we all..." once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. So, you know, mankind needs to really see that uh, they are in need of God in a big way. They're in a terrible position. Don't take sin seriously. Think of 1 Timothy 1.15. What does uh, Paul say about himself? He realized it thoroughly. Famous verse. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Sinners. He came to save sinners. What's Romans seven eighteen say. For I know that in me. That is, in my flesh. Nothing good dwells. For the will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Dealing with the the flesh again. So there's an explanation of man's condition. It explains where he's really at. We don't... I don't think the... uh, I think we see what the answer is, what's what's going on in the world and why it is the way it is. should not be surprised whatsoever. But the world doesn't have an explanation of man's condition. They don't have an explanation how he got here. Don't have an explanation of where he's going to go. Don't have an explanation of really what he's doing here. <laughs> and we're just looking and see, here's where we were at. Now we've come out of that and it took the power of God to do that and we had a great prayer for that that we would understand those things and then boom, you're right ready as you move into chapter 2 
that connects with that. And it talks about the lust of the flesh here in, um, is it verse 2? It's actually, I guess it's in uh, verse we'll three. We'll get back to Ephesians soon enough. Kind of, so, somewhere in Ephesians we're at, right? We try to try to get back to Ephesians. Verse three says, "Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves." That's the way that we lived. That was our course of living. In the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Uh, a man's life without the grace of God is just absolutely polluted. <laughs> just polluted. It's a life lived in the lust of the flesh. That's what it lives for. That's what it wants to do next. The flesh, uh, a lot of different views of what the flesh is. It could be the flesh, the whole of mankind, you know, in, in, in that sense. All of flesh. You know. Or it could be thinking of the covering of our bones. Or can be thinking of where in Galatians 5.17, the spirit is against the flesh. And so that would be thinking of the opposite of the spirit. You know, that, that sense. It's, it's the entire uh, man in sin. The, the whole of man. Uh, his mind, body, soul, affections, everything. It's the whole of man in the state of sin. In that sense. Um, the totality of man's fall. Then there is the sensuous thought. And uh, I believe that's where Paul is going here uh, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling desires of the flesh. It's, it's that animal part uh, as far as sin is concerned. Now, when you take lusts, usually almost always it means something bad, but a desire is what it means, and it can mean good. Um, if you're looking at Luke 22:15, Jesus had a lust or a desire. So what? <laughs> what are you saying? And so what we're trying to do is just prove that not always is that a bad term. You have to take it with what the context is working with. Usually it's something bad. But here he says, with fervent desire, fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. That's a good desire, isn't it? We know it it couldn't be anything but good. All of God's desires are good. So, uh, But it means the, this word lust in Ephesians is talking about a strong desire. Uh, a desire is a command. Uh, a command that takes control. That's where we get into problems. Uh, it's a command. It urges us to do something, to take action. Um, we think... We see something and we think we must have it. I must have it. And you keep thinking on it till you get it. I have to have it, right? Now, that's a desire, right? Now, what can happen is it can turn into inordinate affections of the bodily nature, like hunger, for instance. When we have a hunger, is there anything wrong with being hungry? No. <laughs> so natural. I mean, it's, that's, God has given uh, that to us to have, a desire to eat. Nothing wrong, but to live to eat. I, I remember being around people that they started talking about what they were going to have for supper after they just had lunch. Now here's what we're going to, ha- and that's what they looked forward to. That's what they lived for, <laughs> you know. And then after that, you know, hey, we're going to we're going to have breakfast tomorrow. We're going to have this. That's one thing to plan <laughs> food. Nothing wrong with that, but to to live to go to restaurants or. People who are connoisseurs, the connoisseurs of, let's say, fine wines, you know, and, you know, they, they will swish it around in their mouth and take it down to every detail. And, uh, There's a whole network about food. Huh? There's a whole network about food. Just, just, it's about life almost, isn't it? I think there's two networks about sports. Just on TV, it's all day long. That's all they do. Some people have to have their sports. <laughs> would you say that would be a, a desiring something that goes into inordinate affections, where that's what you live for? You go from one sport to the next, or whatever. How about how about how about just any kind of is pleasure wrong? No, but to live for pleasure, 
what what about that? How about glutton for food? You know, it's easy to pick on drinking alcohol or doing drugs and that kind of thing. But you know, some of the things that uh, things that we might even do that's not necessarily wrong. But then, if it's an inordinate desire, um, we desire to to attract people to us. I mean, we don't want to be unattractive. Well, what happens? We go overboard, and that's what we always want. We want to be so attractive to people we're consumed with the way that we look. Or, um, I guess you can say the other way around, to be attracted to some things or to some, some people or whoever are in person. They tell you that you only can eat a certain kind of food because you're a certain kind of person. You know what I mean? Like you have to have the, the best food. It's kind of off track of what food is really about. Food is to nourish your body so that you, so you can have... Oh, if it's not the best kind of food, and, and then... And the whole arrogance of sitting there saying by obtaining some kind of food that, that you're better than other people that don't eat that kind of food is kind of a bizarre thing to don't think about. What's and it's so carried of off in the society. What's, it, a, it, huh? what's an example of... Well, like certain cheese, you know, the, like, oh, snails or caviar. Or, yeah, yeah, I'm sitting there saying it's because you're such an elitist person. You don't even have oh, life of the rich and famous. <laughs> you know, but it's whatever those, that culture or whatever else tries to put that forth because you're a better person if you eat these, this kind of food. That is so good. Now, I will only eat one kind of peanut butter. <laughs> oh. I don't think I'll let this talk to him. Peanut butter. No, I was thinking when you were talking, what I'm hearing is addiction. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. And you can have addiction or anything. You can name it, can't you? To anything. You know what? You can be. Could you be addicted to even really good things? How about books? Books. Uh, good books. Uh, now you're getting into my area here. <laughs> I'm getting, Janice, Janice is getting convicted back there. <laughs> Eldon, hasn't, Eldon hasn't said anything yet. <laughs> Eldon, Eldon's going like this. <laughs> Eldon hasn't said anything. <laughs> I'm really getting, hey, <laughs> I'm getting convicted here. See, I, you know, how about music? I love music. Man, and let's say really good music, let's say. But the th- it can have all the right words and everything. But to have, it, it, we're talking about the whole mind centered around that. It's talking about being controlled by that. What's the passage that says, I will not be mastered by anything? We're controlled by Yeah, where's that? What's that? Oh, well, there we, we have it all around us constantly. No, it, you name it, man, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> or, or even, to be driven by it. Even just new stuff. Text and drive. Even just new stuff. Yeah. I mean, there are people that have to have the new thing. Whatever the newest thing Whatever is. Whatever the newest oh, thing yeah. is, they've got to have that now. And, that's, and their whole is. mind is centered on it. Yeah, I, yeah. I know it is. I read about it in the Wall Street Journal today. The new soda dispenser by Coca-Cola where you can mix up to 104 different flavors of soda. You make it yourself. It's a cocktail. There's 104 <laughs> flavors? Oh, yeah. God, Diet raspberry, <laughs> Coke. Oh, my. That's the next thing. The next thing. Because they got all the coffee stuff. So, you know, now they're going to do it with soda. So do I got to do that after I get my iPad or before? <laughs> <laughs> I used to be consumed by a driving desire of music. That was my life. Before that, it was sports. Anything wrong with sports? Anything wrong with music? No. Not at all. God gave us those kind of things to us. But my thing was is that that's what I was controlled by. That's what I lived okay, for. So now you're saying it's books. Well, what I'm saying that you can go from you can go from one book to another book. You can have three or four books going, and I know what that's like. Yeah, I'm this is me. See, and then because I'm a book collector. <laughs> Sandy, are we getting? No, don't, don't let me get you confused. Now you guys are going to stop, you know, reading books. You know, my whole business is going to be done. You know? Yeah, but you still got music. <laughs> I mean, what I, you know what my whole point is here. I'm picking on everything, even to the max. I mean, we might be taking this too... Well, I don't know if you can take it too far, but 
uh, I'm just saying that even the best of things, can reading the Bible be too much? No, I don't think so. Well, aren't we, but aren't we what are we doing it for? Huh? To desire God's Word? Yes, yes. It's, it's being focused on him. Right. But if it's anything on the outer edge of that, now we're getting into danger. What are we fo- are we focusing on him or are we focusing on this thing to bring us pleasure? Only God can bring us that pleasure. But he gives us those things. We realize that, but where do we put it, you know, in our place? But, but yeah. we also, you know, do have to be careful. I mean, even when it comes to the desire for the word because if we are neglecting our earthly responsibilities to our family and to, you know, I mean, because I think even Paul talked about, what did he talk about? The ones that were, that were up on the, the people that were up on the roof waiting for Jesus to come back. That's right. He's like, no, you guys need to go get a job. That's right. That's you guys right. need to work. Thessalonians. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't sit and read my Bible all day. Okay? Because that's not, you know, yeah. that's not being responsible to where God has placed it. Now you've taken it to the max. <laughs> yeah, but people come in bugging you all day, and you know. But you know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, because you know, there were yep. there were people that yep. that were that were getting idle, and I don't know whether that was. Well, and a little proud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's it's all about order and control. It, God gives us all these things, you know. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added. It's in proper order. Not showing the love, right? I guess what we're saying is anything, even the best of things, and we're, we've gone all the way to the top of the line, you know, of, of uh, when, when we think of even the best uh, best books and what have you, uh, all the way up to, to, to even reading Scripture. What, if our mind is centered on, on the Lord and those things and we have proper control and proper order, that's, that's where it needs to be. But it shows you how close we we are always constantly battling with sin. We're no longer uh, after the lust of our fulfilling desires of the flesh like we once were, but we always are going to be in a battle because we still are in these bodies. And because we have the Holy Spirit, He is there to control things, right, along with the, with the Word of God. But they, what Galatians 5 says is a war. You know, the, the flesh hates the spirit, the spirit hates the flesh. So there's a, always the danger. Yeah. And I constantly, and people have done this before, they use that passage about Martha and Mary, you know, where what I get them all confused, whether Martha is the one doing all the work and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, well, it's more important that she's here with me. I mean, people use that, you know, as a way of not saying anything done. Oh. You know? Yeah. Like, oh, well, no, no, I read my Bible all day. I know the law is this high, but, you know, I'm in the Word, and I'm praying. You know, know, Jesus told Martha that she was just too busy, so I'm going to slow down. Or Mary, or whichever one it was. Usually it's the other way around. People are too busy for God to sit in his feet. But, yeah, it can be either one. Do you think that today's technology, Everything is happening so fast. Yep. So much more information coming in all the time. Yep. Um, and the kids today who know so much more than than we do, 
because they're taught that in school. Has the, the technology, in my opinion, uh, hurt or helped? Because it was meant to be a tool, and it's ended up being to open the world to pornography, to, to with something supposed to look like a, a video game, which can enter into something else for kids. For kids who are unsuspecting can get right into it, you know, and not even realize that, and then all of a sudden they're there. We, we have so much knowledge, and it's hitting us all so fast that I don't know if, if it's stunted us rather than progressive. Yeah, it's uh, anytime there's there's a lot of good things about it. I mean, it, it goes out like I, you know, we've been able to hear people that we probably wouldn't have ever heard before. You think of all these Bible conferences and everything. That's what we're looking for. That, but we know with every time, and if you go back to the radio when it was first done, same thing happened. What's it can be used as an instrument of righteousness or an instrument of sin. Television the same way, and, and a lot of those guys knew what they were talking about. They said they they knew the dangers of what television would do and how it brought out. Now you see, of course, the internet. We know it just it just exploded like nobody's ever seen before. I've seen some great things out of it, but it, with everything that comes great out of what man does, knowing the course of this world, exactly. what is most of it's going to be used yeah, for? Exactly. <laughs> But, you know, we could go back, I guess, to the Dark Ages and still yet, man, the nature is still there. But you're right. You know, we try to catch up with all the knowledge that's going on, and it's simply impossible. I mean, you can go and listen to any of your favorite teachers at any time you want, if you want to go on the Internet, at any time of the day, and listen to it over and over, or record it, put it on CD. I mean, I, I mean, we're in a time that stuff like this wasn't happening ten years ago, and it's amazing. I mean, that's great, but then you try to you try to catch up with all of it, and then you start finding you you don't have any time for anything because you're trying to do with all of that you have. And I'm not so sure that it's always good. But it can be used for good. Because the, te- the false teachers are out there. They're right? out there, too. They get free MP3, <laughs> They're getting it out like nobody yeah. has before. Yeah. Yeah. It also prevents you from spending time with your family. Well, that's... They're now sitting in the phone because of all the technology, which we call communication, TV, radios, and all this stuff like this, that people now cannot communicate with other people. Because of so being so filled with their mind with all this other information, good, bad, or whatever, but they're lacking the relationship. Talk one on one. They're really lacking that, and they, they've lost that skill, and they're losing it because of all everything's coming at them from whatever way, that's the radio, whatever, community, you know, like that. But it's because you're sitting there by yourself in a room, even if you're communicating on a computer or listening stuff like that, you're lacking the whole relationship. Can you guys summarize this and put it in a text? You know, the, the family supper table, uh, you know, I think that probably when that went away, was maybe the first big movement of what we're seeing now. You know, it's like everything has gone completely away from face to face and intimate family conversation and stuff, and everybody's doing their own whatever. And wow. they can just get with you on an electronic device. So. Just give you a message, and you don't yeah. have to deal with you. But they're yeah. not why they're doing this. It's because they don't want to interrupt you, but really why they're doing it is because. They don't want to be the commercial that really wraps it up. The girl, the the family is sitting on the couch. The little girl is texting on her phone. The father is downloading a program on his on his uh, laptop, and the boy is playing a little video game. And the father, while his program is downloading, he looks around and he said, "And this is family time." <laughs> and, and his, is that his one of those warming commercials? His laptop goes bang, and he said, 
that was good. <laughs> <laughs> that good as it gets. Huh? Quality time. Quality time. <laughs> well, it's about quantity, I think, is what Dobson said, not necessarily quality. So, you know, so don't, don't, you know, don't rebuke me. <laughs> well, we had our chili together for the first time in the month. <laughs> well, that's why I was late. You know, eating with the family. Uh, I was eating with the family. Because the TV did that to a lot of people, too, because yeah. remember yeah. the TV because tray? And we never oh, really, yeah. I mean, that never oh, really yeah. got to our family. I mean, I grew up, we were all we all ate dinner together pretty no much, and then our, our kids have been raised that way where we've all pretty much eaten together. But people, even in my generation, have raised their kids where Dad gets home from work and he goes in and he gets his chili and he takes it on his there's TV tray TV and heads to the, the TV. Kitchen. Yeah, and there's a yeah. TV in the kitchen. Yeah. Bathroom. <laughs> you sit yeah. at the dining room table and everybody watches TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, sometimes the conversation, you know, sometimes we'll have dinner together. You know, we pretty much have dinner together every night. We don't always talk about all kinds of stuff, but at least we're... But you don't need to, right? But do you have a TV on? No. I, when we had dinner, when the boys were home when they were little, I would not allow them to answer the phone during dinner. Right. And the TV was not on during dinner. There was no no radio. There was nothing else. Mm-hmm. We, we sat down at the table. And it gave people an opportunity to say something in. If anyway. they wanted to, yeah, yeah. How was your day? And frankly, there was Crappy. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> I don't want to hear anything about yours either. Sounds like the course of this world. It's not all as thick comedy as we think. Anyway, <laughs> hey, did, uh, in the, uh, we'll draw this to conclusion here. It talks about the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And have you noticed our enemies here? You, you see the world. And then you see the desires of the flesh, and you also see the prince of the power of the air. That's our enemy is found in those those three verses there. And uh, wow, when when you think about it, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the mind, and we'll pick that up next week because it's not just the lower base. You know those things that we're talking about that were really that can be wrapped around us where we have our uh, flesh centered on that. But the very thinking, the very mind, as it uh, focused on things other than God. That's the way we once were, and we're still battling against that. But we want to be so focused on the Lord, those things don't control us. And that's the idea. We don't want them to be mastering us. Anyway, 